Warning, Lawless is a podcast exploring crimes that can be explicit in nature. Listener discretion is advised. true crime fans, it's Annie and Alicia, and today on Lawless, we prove that crime really has no gender. When you think about cocaine drug lords in Miami, the mind automatically jumps to either Scarface or Pablo Escobar. Basically, a middle-aged man with dark, greasy hair. Boy, does our cocaine cowgirl prove that stereotype wrong. Let us introduce to you the real La Madrina Griselda Blanco. Any good story about drug lords will include trigger warnings like drug abuse and violent murder. Griselda Blanco Restrepo was born February 15, 1943, in Cartagena, Colombia, to Ana Blanco. Ana was an abusive mother, and the family lived in poverty. At the age of three, Griselda and her mother moved to Medellin, where she continued to live a rough life. Her introduction to crime started at an early age and included prostitution, pickpocketing, kidnapping, and murder. She ran away from home at age nine to escape being sexually assaulted by her mother's boyfriend. It is rumored that as an 11-year-old child, Blanco helped kidnap a boy to make some money. After the boy's wealthy family refused to pay the ransom, she shot him, resulting in the child's death. It appears Griselda resorted to fairly petty crimes until she was in her late teens to early 20s. When only 13, she married a small-time criminal, Carlos Trujillo, which resulted in three children, Osvaldo, Uber, and Dixit. This relationship did end in divorce, and it is believed that Griselda ordered his murder several years later. In the early 1970s, she began a relationship with Alberto Bravo, a drug trafficker whom she ultimately married. Bravo introduced La Madrina to the cocaine trade, where they were business partners. Blanco rose to power in the infamous Medellin cartel by growing the cocaine business in New York, Miami, and Southern California. In the early 1970s, Griselda moved to Queens, New York with Bravo by using fake passports. With New York City as their operations center, the couple began bringing cocaine into the United States. During this time, Blanco really began her rise to power and notability in the male-dominated drug business. She famously invented cocaine smuggling lingerie, which had secret compartments. Enhanced by Blanco's creativity, the couple established an extensive and highly profitable operation. Once indebted for 1.8 million to Marta Ocha, a first cousin of the Ocha brothers, a powerful Colombian cartel family, and one of her first suppliers, she simply had her killed. But not before having her hitman beat her up, rip out her fingernails, and cinch her with lit cigarettes. In April of 1975, Griselda was indicted on federal drug charges under Operation Banshee. 
She escaped back to Columbia, and later that year, she came to believe that her husband had stolen millions of dollars from their shared drug trafficking profits. This led to a shootout between Blanco and Bravo in the parking lot of a Bogota nightclub. The story goes that the 32-year-old Griselda pulled out a pistol, prompting Bravo to pull out an Uzi submachine gun. When the subsequent gun smoke cleared, six of Bravo's soldiers lay dead alongside their boss. Blanco escaped with a minor gunshot wound to the stomach, and this event solidified her nickname as Black Widow. The late 1970s and early 1980s was the pinnacle of Blanco's success. She moved back to the U.S., this time Miami. This is where La Madrina's empire reached its height. She was running the cartel with her three eldest sons. And during this time, Griselda also married for the third time to Dario Sepulveda. And on August 5th, 1978, her favorite son, Michael Corleone Blanco, was born. After Dario left in 1983, he kidnapped Michael and brought him back to Colombia because efforts to reach a settlement in the custody battle stalled. This caused the Black Widow to issue a hit on her ex-husband and bring her son back to Miami. According to reports, she smuggled more than three tons of cocaine into the U.S. a year from Colombia. Her distribution network, which spanned across the United States, brought in $80 million per month. Her success supported her extravagant lifestyle. She was hooked on her own blend, called bazooka, and celebrated her accomplishments with weed and cocaine-filled parties at her Miami mansion. Those who visited her home rubbed a bronze bust of her in the foyer for good luck on their way inside. Her parties often escalated to bisexual orgies with Griselda as the star. She was known to force men and women of her choosing to perform sex acts in front of her or to her at gunpoint. She was part of the cocaine wars in Miami in the late 1970s and early 80s. This war was caused by Miami officials trying to stop the flow of cocaine through a joint task force with the DEA called CENTAC-26. During this time, 25% of corpses in the morgue had wounds from automatic gunfire, and there were so many bodies that the medical examiner was forced to rent a refrigerated van from a Miami-based Burger King to house all the overflow. The war was also fueled by Griselda seeking to eliminate her competition. It was said that she ordered multiple murders that were committed by gunmen on motorcycles, a drive-by technique that she was said to have invented. Next, we will discuss several highlights from her reign as godmother in Miami. On July 11, 1979, the shootout at Miami Dadeland Mall, where the murders have started the cocaine cowboy wars. This massacre targeted a Miami kingpin and former business associate of La Madrina, Herman Jimenez Peneso, and his 22-year-old bodyguard, Juan Carlos Hernandez. Peneso was assassinated because of a feud between him and Carlos, who also worked with Blanco. According to rumor, Blanco owed Ramirez quite a bit of money so she ordered the hit so she didn't have to pay him back. In the early afternoon hours of July 11, 1979, Rivi Ayala, Griselda's favorite hitman, and Paco, her brother-in-law, 
pulled up to Dadeland Mall in a white van with the words Happy Time Complete Party Supply on the side. They went into the Crown Liquor Store at the Dadeland Mall with Uzis and let loose a hail of bullets shooting Pineso and Hernandez, who were at the counter purchasing bottles of Shiva's Regal. They were both killed instantly. Two Crown Liquor Store's employees were wounded in the attack as well. Another example of Blanco's ruthlessness and greed were the arranged hits of drug dealers Alfredo and Grisel Lorenzo in their South Miami house as their three children watched television in the next room. They were murdered because they had failed to pay $250,000 for five kilos of cocaine that Blanco had allegedly delivered to them. Miami-Dade Homicide Division Sergeant Nelson Andrew said in a 2008 documentary, Cocaine Cowboys, if you bought drugs from her and didn't pay her, she'd kill you. And if she bought drugs from you and didn't pay you, she'd also kill you. For as laissez-faire as Griselda was with most life, she was very protective of her boys. She once ordered a shooting that resulted in the death of a two-year-old Johnny Castro who was shot twice in the head as he drove in a car with his father, Jesus Chucho Castro, who was the target. Blanco was targeting Jesus, a former enforcer of Blanco's organization, because he kicked her son in the butt. When Osvaldo was killed in Colombia, Blanco had the priest read a statement to the funeral attendees that the deed would not go unpunished. One of her son's two murderers killed himself before her hitmen found him, and the second killer spent his last days on Earth tied up in a remote abandoned barn in Colombia, being tortured by her men. He eventually died after they shoved a white hot screwdriver up his nose. Her and her family's lifestyle led to the death of her three oldest sons, and after multiple attempts on her life, Blanco relocated her business to California in 1984. Griselda's reign faltered when she was captured in Irvine, California, February 18, 1985, by DEA agents and held with full bail. Her apprehender was DEA agent Bob Palombo, who had been chasing her for over 10 years since New York. Witnesses stated he kissed her on the mouth when they found her in her bathroom reading the Bible and stated, Griselda, I'm so glad to see you. After they sent her to prison, she tried to escape, but was unsuccessful. Blanco's trial began in June 1985 in New York. She was only convicted of one count of conspiracy to manufacture, important to the United States, and distribute cocaine, despite also being charged with murder in several Florida slayings. She was sentenced to 15 years behind bars. In 1994, the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office finally obtained enough evidence to indict Blanco for three murders, and she was transferred to Miami. This was achieved by pressuring one of Blanco's lieutenants and former hitman, George Rivi Ayala. However, the case collapsed due to technicalities relating to a telephone sex scandal between Ayala and a female secretary in the district attorney's office. This indiscretion caused prosecutors to worry about the credibility of Rivi's testimony on the stand, so they did not use it. 
Some speculated that he was acting out of self-preservation, fearing he could be targeted by members of Blanco's cartel if he testified. Blanco still pled guilty to the charges in a plea deal and served 10 years. Assistant U.S. Attorney Stephen Schlesinger, who prosecuted Blanco, said he doesn't dare venture to guess how many murders she ordered. Quote, it would certainly be dozens. We have no idea here how many murders she authorized in Colombia. She was a complete psychopath. She murdered people at the drop of a hat. She would kill anybody who displeased her because of a debt, because they screwed up on a shipment, or she didn't like the way they looked at her, end quote. She continued to effectively run her cocaine business while in prison with the help of her son, Michael. Blanco wanted to escape her prison sentence so badly that she formed a plot to kidnap John F. Kennedy Jr. and hold him for ransom in exchange for her own freedom. During her 19 years in federal prison, she attempted to plan this dastardly crime with the help of her people on the outside. Griselda believed that once her people had kidnapped JFK Jr., then the authorities would have no choice but to let her out of prison early. Thankfully, someone leaked the word of her plan to the FBI before it was set into motion. In 2002, Blanco suffered a heart attack while imprisoned, which began her transition into a born-again Christian. And then, in 2004, she was released from prison and deported back to Colombia after she finished her sentence. On the night of September 3rd, 2012, Blanco died at the age of 69 after being shot twice, once in the head and once in the shoulder by a motorcyclist in Colombia. She was shot at Particio Butcher Shop on the corner of 29th Street after having bought $150 worth of meat. The middle-aged gunman climbed off the back of a motorbike outside the shop, entered, pulled out a gun, and shot Blanco twice before calmly walking back to his bike disappearing into the city. She died clutching a Bible as she had found her religion in her years since her release from prison. Michael Blanco stated to the Mirror in October of 2020, quote, My mother was no saint. She had to survive to do her thing. But at the end of the day, she was my mother. I will forever honor and respect her. I love her, end quote. A former associate recalled, quote, she had the worst temper I ever saw. She ordered death the way other people order pizza, end quote. And there we have it, yo. <laughs> yep, that's Griselda Blanco. <laughs> so let's discuss, shall we? Yeah, let's talk about Miss Blanco. That was quite the story. Some of the stuff I didn't know, some of the stuff I did know, but all together, she was pretty wild and beautiful. She was also tiny. She was five foot tall. She had dimples and a cleft chin. And she was known to tote around a gold-plated submachine gun with emerald studs. In order to evade any sort of detection or to get away from police, she could easily add or lose weight up to 30 pounds and had many disguises. So that is, she knew what she was about. A former lover, Charles Cosby, who starred in the Cocaine Cowboys documentaries, um, he was 
African-American, which was only tolerated because she was the godmother. Right. You have to remember this is, you know, it was the 80s at that point. So and she was Colombian and it was just not done. You did not mix races and she didn't care. You also probably weren't openly bisexual. But when you run a cartel, zero fucks given. Why would you? Why would you? All the orgies. All the orgies. Yeah. And I mean, she was married three times during her life. You know, she was a teenager when she married her first husband, Carlos, and her last husband, Dario, um, you know, left in 1983. And her second husband, Alberto Bravo, was the one who introduced her to the cocaine trade. Um, And because she either ordered the hit or reportedly killed her husband, so that's how she earned the, the one of the famous names that she has of Black Widow. Oh, there's no reporting. She straight up murdered Alberto Bravo. Like, she was by herself, if the rumors are true. And she took down him and six of his associates and got out with basically a flesh wound flesh wound to her stomach you know and and you don't mess with her because that the her final husband dario when he left he took her son and her favorite son at that michael corleone who she named after the godfather movies by the way and she, <laughs> she was having none of that she's like you think you can escape to columbia think again right one of the things that I absolutely love about GB here is that, like we had said in the intro, when you think of drug lords, you think of people like Pablo Escobar. But she was up and running her huge $80 million a month drug cartel before Pablo Escobar became a thing. Right. And there are Different stories about whether they were enemies or if she was a mentor to him. I even read one article that indicated that they were lovers, according to her found diaries. But, I mean, they knew each other, obviously, but she was around before him. And yet, hardly anyone has heard of her. Which is, yeah, definitely super, super interesting. I absolutely love that. And she wasn't innocent either. She wasn't just the hand saying, do this. She also participated in drive-bys and other drag dr- and other drug and gang-related killings. Um, and there's conservative estimates that she was responsible for 40 deaths, but others have that number much, much higher. Up to 250 plus victims um, were done in either on her order or by her, her uh, herself. So she was not, her hands were not clean by any means. No. And one of the, one thing that I absolutely think is super cool, even if it shouldn't be, is that she pioneered the assassination technique that killed her. The ride by motorcycle hit. So that pegs me to think like, okay, she, you know, allegedly created the drive by, right? So like, think about all of the drive by shootings since you know that happened through now like that's all because griselda had this idea to have her guys on motorbikes run by with uzis and shoe people that pissed her off (laughs) no kidding it's it's absolutely karma 
that that's the way she ended up going. Because if she wouldn't have invented that, she could potentially still be alive since she was only murdered in 2012. Uh, you know, and she was very smart, very creative. Uh, we talked about how she invented the the lingerie in order to smuggle so much cocaine into the United States. She actually switched from marijuana to cocaine because it was easier to smuggle in. It wasn't as bulky because it was a powder. So, yeah, I mean, without these inventions, who knows where the drug world would be in the United States. And while she may not be super known to the world, you know, she has been mentioned in a multitude of rap songs, um, twice by Nicki Minaj. She was featured in TV shows like one you and I watched um, just last night. These guys, it won't be just last night, but to us, just last night, um, Drunk History, where she was portrayed by Maya Rudolph. And that was fantastically portrayed, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then she's been the focus of three movies where she's been portrayed by um, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Catalina Sandino Marina. Um, and then also the HBO movie that's currently in development. Um, it's been in it's like 2016. Um, where Blanca will be played by J-Lo. Yeah, I was just looking into that movie to see if there are any updates. Sounds like good old Michael Corleone is on board, but is mad that J-Lo won't return his calls to talk about his mom. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it's not he like... He actually... He is on um, his own show, I think, right now. Uh, on VH1. I don't, I, I don't know the name at the top of my head, but I do know I did watch an episode where um, one of his friends was actually in Columbia at his mom's grave and he got to FaceTime with that friend while she was at the grave and he got to have just a nice little moment with his mom. Um, so that was definitely cool too. So, I mean, I get it, but come on, man. J-Lo, I mean... You're small time. Are you really... Good? <laughs> How do you expect anybody that's not, you know... Mark Wahlberg. A-list. <laughs> I'm saying to get a call back from J-Lo. Get out of here. But at the same respect, she's making a biopic about your mom. You think they'd want that inside scoop? But, yeah. I mean, while he was growing up, she was throwing these extravagant parties and he was just running around, you know, with a contact high because of all the marijuana being smoked at these parties. And by Mm -hmm. the time he was, you know, old enough to help, she was already in prison. So, I mean, how much could he really know? Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. So that was Griselda Blanco. Don't forget to follow us on social media like Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at LawlessTC. We also have a Patreon um, with several tiers if you'd like to join that and help us keep this uh, podcast afloat. And you can add us with any questions guesses on who the next criminal will be or suggestions for future episodes and we may give you a shout out during our next episode tune in next time as we delve into another curvaceous criminal this has been lawless remember crime has no gender so why let men have all the fun 